0: By Rebecca Spencer.
1: Mass calls it, and that's a wonderful goal. And Rear Percival from almost the
0: halfway line. Welcome to N17 Women, the only podcast to discuss Tottenham Hotspur Women's team. I'm Rachel. I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by Caroline and Sean. Abby is elsewhere for this one, but she's promised she will double the hot takes for our next recording. So how how are you, Sean, Caroline?
2: Yeah, it's been a it's been a long weekend, hasn't it? But um we're still here. That's where we're at, that
1: Sean has to say we're still here. <laughs> yeah, we're we're coming recording this right off the back of the men's game against Liverpool, which was like an emotional roller coaster. So I mean, we're here. <laughs>
0: Okay, we're here. We may be slightly emotional. Um, Yeah, this may mean that our our opinions are more extreme than they otherwise would be. But that's all good. We're here to talk about the home game against Brighton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's only the second game we've played at the stadium this season, although I think there are rumours that we will probably have a third, the final game of the season against Reading. So let's start by talking about the main stadium experience. We haven't actually heard what the attendance is yet, other than the somewhat opaque two to 5,000, but it was clearly well down on the 20,000 or so who were at the game against Manchester United, and the atmosphere was a bit flat. The clubs received some criticism for not doing more to promote the game, and it's something that we've talked quite a lot about on the pod. So what do you think? Did it work to hold
2: the game at this stadium? Are you pleased that we may play our final game against Reading here? ah uh, i i still don't love playing at the stadium i have i have to say and particularly i mean in this game you know you you have fewer people because they they moved the game to the saturday so some people who had been intending to come when it was at brisbane road couldn't come and then they moved it to the stadium with not that many weeks notice that it's happening so not that much time to 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 build that support um and it was a game against brighton which isn't the name of a top four side which is often what we've done but it was a big relegation battle. It was an important game, but the club aren't going to say that in their marketing, so they missed the trick. Because I heard somebody before me at the game saying, "Oh, and of course Brighton, are, you know, are having problems as well this season." So, and it's like, like that's a surprise. I mean, one thing I love about you know, it was great that you know we had loads of people there. Jenna was there, Josie Green was there, Rennie Hector was there. All these ex players were at the stadium to see the game, and that's great to have those people there and to have the celebration. But then I had a guy sat behind me. Second half talking to his daughter about how, yeah, of course, this isn't as good as men's non-league football. And I'm just sat there thinking, well, why are you here then? Go away. And I just kind of all and as I mean, we'll talk about Rhea as well coming on, but I just felt so disappointed for Rhea because when Kit came back from injury, there was a loud noise when she stepped off the bench, let alone when she stepped on the pitch. And we all, because we all at Brisbane, and I was quite surprised at that, but everybody at Brisbane Road knew the importance of her coming on. When Rhea came on, even though The announcer said, coming back from injury after more than a year out, there wasn't the same loud whoop because people didn't understand. And I just think that the the atmosphere at the stadium is not the same. It's not of a group of people who are in it together. It's of a lot of people who have come to see the stadium and to enjoy the game, but who don't understand the women's team. And so, for me, actually, that last game against Reading, I think you'd, you'd get a better atmosphere if you were at Brisbane Road, which is strange and we're not a great fan base for noise and for for singing and all of that. But I do think when you've got a smaller group of people who really know what the game is, unless the club are gonna say, this is a relegation six pointer, this is a huge game, everybody's got to be here and really push it, which already they've missed a trick because It's been leaked. Vicky basically said to the press after the press conference that it was going to be at Reading, but it hasn't been officially announced. You know, and it's a few weeks away. We're not going to we're going to have a similar number of people as we had against Brighton. Uh, It's great facilities and things for the players and that. But also, again, we've, we've talked about Brisbane Road and the TV cameras being on the wrong side. And we understand the reasons at Brisbane Road because it's a smaller stadium and it's harder and yada, yada, yada. But at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, again, the cameras... Are on the wrong side. They're not on the side that's looking at the fans a lot of the time. What's your excuse at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? You've got camera positions everywhere at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, and look, watching just some of the um, stuff on the goals—just empty stands. Uh, that's not going to inspire people to come to the game. And I've just—I'm clearly had enough of games at the stadium for now, and I don't think it improves the atmosphere when you're talking about really getting that the team going.
0: Okay, just to play devil's advocate. You did say that people, if they come, they don't, you know, you get people who don't know the game, don't know the team. Club might be saying, "Well, if we get those people to come, and then we have another game at the stadium, we get those people to come back. They'll start to know the team." So,
2: yeah, but then are they going to come to Brisbane Road? Because thus far, there's been no evidence to suggest that people who come to the stadium then come to Brisbane Road. And part of that is because there's no. And this time round, ironically, they did actually announce. I mean, all too late, not straight away after the game, but after a little while, our next game is at Brisbane Road against Reading, which the irony being, of course, it sounds like it's not going to be so pointless.
1: I want to piggyback off something Sean said, which was that the club was kind of reluctant to market this as a relegation six pointer. And the thing is that they don't want to give club the bad press of admitting we're in a relegation battle, but the journalists are happy to do that. And they're happy to point out what a small crowd we have, how it seems like the club is not investing in the women's team the way they should be. So it, it happened anyway, and I feel like it would have been smarter to at least promote the game in that fashion so that the admittedly casual fans who showed up because it was at the main stadium can at least have a sense of what the stakes are and give them something to feel invested in with the actual football rather than just being like, okay, you're a body in the stands.
0: Yeah, I think it is a really good point that there is a reluctance to promote it in the way that might actually get fans there because they would then know it was an important game as opposed to just thinking, oh, it's Brighton, who knows? We don't really care about them or in the future, Reading potentially. So let's hope that they are willing to admit that it matters next time and start promoting it as a must-win relegation battle, but we'll see. I guess one of the things is that it potentially Gives the players a little bit of incentive to play and we will talk about whether or not we saw better passing, sort of better joined up play, better surface, you know, more of an event. It might motivate them, but maybe we can see whether or not we think it did um, when we talk about that. So our last game against Brighton had been way back in September. It was that 8-0 win after which we then didn't win until February. So this one ended 2 all after Brighton twice took the lead, only to twice be pegged back both times by Beth England goals. We'll go into the game as it happened, but let's start with a lineup. We saw Becky Spencer again in goal. I think this has been the fourth game running that she's been in goal after Corpella had been in goal for much of the earlier period of 2023. Then we had Keris Harrop, Molly Bartrip, Amy Turner, and Ashley Neville at the back. The midfield was initially a four of Rosella Ryan, Drew Spence, Angara James, and Celine Bizet, and a front two of Bethany England and Evelina Sumanen. And it was more or less a kind of 4 4 2, although there were definitely periods when Evelina dropped much deeper and left Beth alone up top. The only real change from last week was that Roz came in for Asmita L, but that had a knock on impact, which meant that Ash was dropped back to the sort of right back where she. She had played in the front line in the last game. There was bigger news on the bench with Manu Bucci and Shalina Zadorski both back from injury and listed and most notably it was the first time that Rhea Percival was in the matchday squad since last May. So what did you make of the lineup when you saw it?
1: Disappointment. I kind of felt like the, the lineup and the you know slight formation change last game had really worked. So it was puzzling to me why we would shift away from that unless there were injury minute concerns that we don't know about, which we never know about, to be fair. But just seeing Ash dropping back into defense uh, made me immediately feel less confident about the results. And I I feel like we agreed last week that Esmita had a bit of a mixed performance. But at the same time, you would like to see her at least getting some minutes to try to work her way back into some form. So a little puzzling there, but just seeing Ria on the bench was really exciting to me because she was such a huge player for us last season, and she could really make an impact in these last few games in the run-in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess in the second half against Villa, we did kind of change back to the, more of this kind of formation with Ash dropping back in that game as well. So not hugely surprising, and but, but disappointing that it's just back to what it has been, I guess figures keeping the players who know where they're going but then I saw one of the one of the journalists saying you know every time she sees Spurs playing she can't get over how much they don't look like a team of people who are playing together but a bunch of people are all expecting other people to do something that they're not doing and this is where we've you know we've talked about passing and and overlaps and all those kind of things in the season where we've had the problems and it, it isn't changing so yeah it was I mean, it wasn't a surprise, but it yeah didn't didn't fill you with excitement. But as you say, Caroline, the bench was much better. Seeing Mana back was good. Seeing Shalina on the bench again, interesting, because she's been on the bench a couple of times, not had any minutes as yet. So I'm not quite sure whether that's just because we've been in such perilous positions in the time that she might start getting some game time, or, or whether it's more about her not really being ready to come back yet. But seeing Ria back was great. And the fact that she got onto the pitch, even better, because... Normally people don't get thrown in quite so early on in quite such perilous positions. So clearly they think she is back and fits, which is great news. So good to have some positivity from the bench, which is not normally where we get our positivity from.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, there was definitely, if you think back, there were periods of this season where we looked at the bench and we just thought, oh, I don't want any of them to come on. So at least the fact that we're looking at the bench and thinking there are options is a massive improvement. So, yeah, absolutely with you on that. And also with you, Caroline, on the... uh, about the why we've gone back to this definitely wasn't what I was looking for. But hey, Brighton had started their managerial shuffle before us with Hope Powell losing her job after our visit in the autumn. And during the recent international break, they appointed Melissa Phillips from London City Lionesses via a brief period at Angel City. So this was her third WSL game in charge. And we were starting to see signs that she'd introduced the high pressing game that we'd seen when we played London City Lionesses in the FA Cup. But Spurs had a decent start until they then got caught out in the 11th minute when Robinson broke into the box and Karis, who was covering her, slipped. Karis recovered but couldn't prevent Robinson crossing from the baseline. Turland who's been Brighton's highest scorer this season was waiting and she met the cross shooting from about a yard out. Becky Spencer parried the ball but it fell to Turland who then on the second attempt scored. Did you have thoughts about
2: that goal? Just really a sense of impending dread. Uh, Looking back I I mean I wonder if Becky could have done more to smother the ball rather than parry it but it was at real close range so it's difficult to say in the moment it's hard isn't it but there wasn't once it had come back off her once the rebound happened it wasn't really going to do anything other than go in the back of the net because it was straight back at the player so yeah just um, disappointing.
1: I'm a little less critical of Becky on this goal than on the second one that we conceded because you're right Sean I think it was kind of very close range difficult to stop but I think the bigger issue is that Karis keeps struggling with these really pacey players that she's come up against this season Katie Robinson being the one in this case Um, And we just have to have some sort of solution for that. I feel like we're kind of just letting it happen over and over again. So very frustrating from that aspect.
0: I guess it's it's interesting because I thought that overall Karis actually won most of her battles with Robinson quite effectively. So she was able to steal the ball off her over and over again. And this was the one instance when she didn't. And I guess it's one of those things is that once I think I feel, it feels a little bit like once we get into our heads that Harris loses these battles, it starts becoming the story that we see. And I'm not entirely convinced that that was the story this game, because she was her positioning, her, you know, the ways in which she got us out of trouble from the back um, was actually really impressive. And so I guess. I would just, I'm just wondering whether that was what was going on or.
1: Yeah, I think I felt more comfortable with her this season when she's played at wing back, because I think that's allowed her to really make more use of her positional strengths. But, you know, I get what you're saying. I think perhaps it is an accurate story because opposition teams are targeting that flank for that reason. So, you know, I never want to be too critical of a single player because, Usually things happen up the pitch that precede that moment and that goal. But yeah, I do do think it's been a problem that needs to be addressed better.
0: I just wonder because, you know, Sari got round Ash a few times and that led to opportunities and chances. And this one was clearly Kara slipped and... Yes, obviously you don't want to slip, but there was a something that preceded the problem in this case. And I think that she, in other instances against Robinson, was really good. So I guess it's just, I'm just putting out there that may, I don't think they were necessarily targeting this flank. And I also think that Robinson didn't do great in those one-on-ones with
2: Paris. But hey, different opinions is fine. I mean, one of the reasons we're not enjoying watching playing at the stadium is it's much more difficult to actually to see the game because you're that much that much bigger pitch, so it, it is difficult to see. But I didn't think Harris had a bad game overall. To be fair, and you know, slips happen and mistakes happen. And everybody makes a mistake. So I um, mean, the first goal of the last game was as A Ail making a mistake, which came from an Ash mistake. So. You know, it happens and it does need to be it does need to be something that we cut out, though, because we are suffering. And even if it is just a mistake, we're conceding too many goals. And if it's just individual mistakes, something needs to change.
0: No, I absolutely agree with that. And I think I guess what I'm thinking is maybe the issue is how do you cover those mistakes? Individuals are going to make mistakes. That's football. It's like, how do you respond as a team?
2: Maybe it's the I mean, because when we when we've been playing with a back three, you've spoken about how actually that gives more cover. And I wonder if they've got used to playing with the back three and having more cover that way than than when you play with the back four. So we'll come to the next game later, but maybe that's with Shalina in theory back. Maybe that's an option for the next game.
0: Okay, something to return to. But the good news was that... Spurs found an almost immediate response. It took about five touches after kickoff for the ball to get to Roz on the left. She crossed into the box and it was headed out by a Brighton player. Harris then took the corner kick on the far side and Evelina on the corner closest to her flicked it on for Beth to jump and head it across the goal and out of reach of the goalkeeper, Williams. So thoughts about that goal and the speed with which Spurs found that response?
2: Well, usually it's the other way around, isn't it? Usually it's us scoring and the other team getting an us losing concentration. So great to see the other way around. Fantastic. Beth just jumped above everybody in the box and you're not going to bet against her in that situation. So great to see the response in that moment. And it was what we needed. Just a shame it didn't last as long as it could have done. But uh, yeah, great response in the moment and, you know, lifted the mood again.
1: Yeah. I'm at least happy that we have shown a little more resilience in the last few games. And we've had a little bit of luck actually with scoring from set pieces. This season, in contrast to defending
0: them. (laughs) So there's a silver lining there. Indeed. Um, So for a while after the goal, Spurs looked like they could get another. Most notably, there was a really lovely long looping ball into the box from Ash that Evelina very nearly got her head to, or maybe did get a glancing touch on, but didn't go in. And then there was another sort of good period of play, which ended with Drew Spence hitting a ball towards the bottom left corner of the goal. But essentially the last 25 minutes seemed to peter out, with Spurs having more possession, but most of it was in our own half. Are there are any other things that you wanted to highlight that happened in the half? It felt like a slightly uneventful half after that. But what were you
2: sort of feeling by half halftime? Interesting. Some of the, uh, I mean, a chat group with some sort of uh, some, some of the journos and stuff, and they were all expecting it to go on from there to be a huge score. And I think that that end, end of the second half kind of petered out, as you say, and, and demonstrated that it wasn't going to be. I think obviously it was a cagey affair in the sense that both teams wanted three points, but neither team wanted to lose. So, and both teams kind of in a bit of a transitionary period because although Brighton have got a new manager, she's very new and, and they're still learning each other. So, yeah, at least at that point, it was a draw at half time and we were still in it and a point was better than nothing. And by this point, you're thinking, well, three points would be nice, but as long as we don't lose it, because that would be terrible. Yeah, hold, hold,
1: at least holding on to the point was crucial. But I, I do think the end of that half made me feel slightly nervous that it was just going to take one mistake to lose that point, because our our build up play was not as strong as I think it was in the game against Aston Villa, where we really had passes connecting, players seemed to be finding each other in the right spots. And in this, you know, at least in the first half, I feel like we were not as as focused. So I was feeling nervous heading into the second half.
0: Yes, I shared your nervousness. It did feel quite frustrating. And like we were running out of ideas. And it was only, you know, halfway through. So anyway, the first part of the second half as well kind of added to the nervousness because Brighton were pretty dominant um, and had chances but didn't score. And then on the 63rd minute, Gwenwyn Lee, who had earlier come on as a substitute, received the ball in the middle of the field, passed out wide to Robinson and received it back again on the edge of the box. She had a lot of time and space and sent a lovely shot to the top right corner, which Becky failed to get a hand to. And that was 2-1. Again, Brighton were ahead. I saw
1: a tweet of somebody suggesting that Corpola would have saved that goal. And I had to tell them, nope, both of our keepers are vulnerable to long shots. Like we've known this has been an issue all season. But the fact that she was given that much space to shoot in the first place, I think, is really the issue. Just needing players to be more committed on the defensive end. I think that goes for, you know, some of our players higher up the pitch. Like, obviously, this was a situation where we're level We're trying to push for a goal, but you still have to be aware of what's happening on the defensive end. So frustrating to concede such a, I think you would say, unforced goal.
2: And lots of fans in the stadium not happy because shortly before that, of course, just after coming on, Lee had committed an offence which many people considered to be a red card offence the referee clearly didn't Um, and poor old Evelina was on the ground for some time clearly in some discomfort from what looked like a a stab at the throat off the ball uh, after the ball had had gone from Lee so she proceeded to be booed for the rest of the game which again I'm not 100% on board with but in that situation that would have happened I think in the men's game too yes not good from our end but again one could argue that she shouldn't have been on the pitch at that point or at least that she should have you know you do wonder sometimes, you know, in getting in close quarters, so had resulted in Evelina being ha- having to have the physio on and things. How worried do people get about that? I mean, that shouldn't be affecting things, and and she should have been closed down, and people should have been coming at her. But yeah, lots to think about in terms of of Lee's came on and she played fantastically, and she you know had lots of of the ball and and, and created lots for Brighton. So she was a player that we clearly should have been aware of and on the edge of the box. It's not where you want to leave a player like that. Well, and I had heard and. I have not watched a ton of Brighton's games, so
1: I can't verify this, but apparently she had been, I guess, sent off in a previous game for a pretty harsh decision where she really shouldn't have been. So there was some suggestion that perhaps this was the referees trying to overcorrect and be a little more lenient with her. And I, th- I think the issue with refereeing and the WSL is that we just want consistency. And that's been sorely lacking, not just in our games, but across the league, frankly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think refereeing is never going to be perfectly consistent, but there are definitely issues and this game had a few of them, probably not as many as some games. So, you know, we can be thankful for that. And we're definitely going to come back to thinking about Evelina and um, the kinds of fouls that she is um, getting at the moment. So we'll come back to that later. Spurs didn't equalize quite as quickly this time, but 15 minutes later, it took just two quick passes and Beth England. And we had, first of all, Angerad received the ball from Amy Turner and picked out Kit Graham on the halfway line. Kit then turned and sent an absolute peach of a through ball to Beth, who ran onto it, chased by three Brighton defenders and did what she does. She shot past the keeper and into the roof of the net for two all. So how happy were you at that point?
2: Well, I had some some visiting Americans sat next to me. They're more for the spectacle than particularly either side. But as as I said to them, if you want any player one-on-one with the goalkeeper, it's Beth England that you want one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Because nine times out of ten, if not more, she's going to be putting that in the back of the net. So fantastic goal from her. And again, great way she celebrated running towards the fans um, and taking them into it. Great to see and a feeling of, okay, we're back in this. and, And after doing that against Villa and then getting a third against Villa you know there was suddenly the well we do have this in us we have been known to to do this so maybe we're going to get all three points after all
1: yeah with Beth's goal I was convinced that she was offside so I was just bracing myself for the goal to get called back but you're right once she got into that one-on-one with the keeper you knew it was going in the net because she is just so technically strong and truly just like a level above quality wise what we've had to work with in the past in terms of strikers so I don't know it just it hurts me that we couldn't have had her from the start of this season and you know our fortunes could be completely different I don't think we'd be talking about a relegation fight if that had been the case
0: yeah we really have seen that exact goal haven't we I think three times now I mean with slight variations but it was the goal That we saw against Manchester United, it was a goal we saw against Leicester and then against Day, where in it's getting her that perfect ball means that she can do it, and so it's kind of that's what their play other players are looking for, I guess. But yeah, very exciting to have her. Wish we'd had her earlier, as lots of people have said, she's saving Spurs at the moment, and she pretty much has. Um, well, we don't know if it's worked, but she is in the process of saving Spurs.
2: Well, and also, as lots of people are saying how the hell is she not getting in the England squad? We've been been talking about Spurs players not getting in the England squad for a while, but I feel like this is one that it's a complete no-brainer, particularly with the injuries that are happening. And lots of people pointing out that she's like one goal behind Russo, or a very narrow number of goals behind Russo, having played a lot less minutes. So I think apart from Man United fans, there's like everybody out there saying Beth England should be on the plane to Australia. So fingers crossed that (laughs) Serena's listening to that and actually taking some note of that because... What more can she do? What more can she do to get in the England squad? I mean, we've said that about Ash before, but in this case, Beth is absolutely banging in the goals. She's played for England before. She's not an unknown quantity to them. She's come through the system. I don't don't get what's stopping her. And also when you've lost Ellen White and other players of experience from your squad, surely having somebody of that experience coming in is only going to be a good thing.
0: Yeah, her goals per 90 are actually much higher than Russo. So she's got about 0.9 goals per 90 minutes and Russo's on 0.6. Um, she's only just slightly behind Rachel Daly and Khadija Shaw. So yeah, she's very efficient at goal scoring. Do you know the only person who's ahead of all of those? Rachel Williams. <laughs> That's because she has scored so many on her substitute appearances. So goals per 90, yeah. I don't suppose Rachel's getting back into the England squad, but definitely Beth England should do. And because and she's done a lot of work for us off the ball as well, and she's done a lot to bring other players in, you know, Evelina is doing what she's doing in attack because she's playing with Beth, not just learning from her, but the interaction between them is clearly really good.
1: Well, and I think that's probably another good argument for her to be in that England squad for the World Cup, that she clearly has a lot of leadership capability as well, and... I I mean, you can see the effect she's had on a few of the Spurs players and her mentality is unrivaled. So, yeah, I don't understand her her uh, lack of call up. But as an American, I'm also not going to complain if she doesn't get called up. I'll just be sad for her personally. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes,
2: obviously. Uh, conflict of interest here, but we, we obviously- won't start a turf war. <laughs> And it's not just the leadership thing that she brings. I think it's it's also she seems to just get on well with everybody. Everybody seems to like her and and very quickly she has become one of the team. And that's kind of a, a personality type that surely in those kind of tournaments you need. Okay, so let's get back to the game.
0: And basically after that goal, there was a period of Spurs dominance and a really good opportunity for Kit Graham, a few other chances, but the game ended to all. I want to spend a bit of time talking about the substitutes and what happened in terms of the choices Vicky made. So first of all, on 59 minutes, we saw Kit Graham coming on for Drew Spence. And this also meant that Evelina moved back into the space in which Drew had been playing with Kit playing higher up the field. Then on 70 minutes, when we were down 2-1, both of our wingers were swapped out with Mane Iwabuchi replacing Celine and Jess Naz replacing Roz. In some ways, I think they're kind of like for like with the more ball playing replacement on the right and the pacey replacement on the left. Then on finally on the 78th minute, just two minutes after she scored and we'd equalized, Beth England went off and Rhea Percival came on. Beth had been rubbing her thigh a little and she was later reported to have been feeling unwell. So there may have been a reason for her being removed. We're going to talk a little bit about Rhea's return later, but just in terms of what they meant for the game, what did you think of the substitutions?
1: Well, first off, If Beth getting a brace was her playing while unwell, that's kind of incredible. (laughs) Can't wait to see what she could do next game when she's not feeling poorly. I think Kit was probably the most impactful of the subs, obviously with her assist. We've really kind of missed having a playmaker of her caliber all season. So for her to be coming back in for this final stretch is huge. And I was really impressed with Jess Naz as well, not just what she was offering going forward, but I feel like she's cleaned up some of her defensive issues. I saw her really committed back on defense several times. So loved seeing that from her. Iwabuchi, I feel like was not as impactful, but we know she had been out with a knock. So perhaps it's just a a fitness thing, needing to get some minutes back under her leg.
2: Yeah, I feel like what more does Kit have to do to get a start? For me... I want to see her starting now, please. Thank you very much. She is a playmaker. She needs to get more minutes under her belt and she's only been getting a short night. She's not going to improve in the way that we need her to, just playing 20 minutes at the end of games. Uh, start her and give her 60 minutes. Do it that way round if you need to. But And I think particularly with the way Drew's been playing this season, or I or Harrod even, I wouldn't be sad to lose one of those and get Kit coming in and, and have, seeing what she can do. And she has shown in this last game that she is closer to being the player that, we remember her being so yeah I, I just want to see more of Kit please as you say I think Jess did a good job I, I was pleased to see that Celine was playing she had strapping on that arm that we were really worried about after the last game so clearly not a 100- hundred percent with her but um, Jess coming back and as you say back you know playing in that way that we love to see her being combative and and things in defense as well as playing forwards so I think the subs all came on and and did a good job and I mean even mana who didn't produce anything necessarily she did have a lot of the ball and she was running at players a lot and it felt like there was more progression with her on the pitch even if it didn't lead to much.
0: Yeah I thought both of the wingers were effective when they came on. I was very happy to see Roz go off. I thought that she'd had a not great game, but the player I think I'd been the most concerned about, especially in the first half, was Angharad. And she I think she improved in the second half and she contributed to that second goal in a really useful way but she was misplacing a lot of passes and the ball was she was losing the ball like my mum who was with me sort of turned to me and was like number 15 she's not she's not quite as good is she and so it was kind of it felt quite noticeable at a certain point and I've been trying to like square the circle of how do we fill that gap because I'm really enjoying Evelina playing up front but Kit plays up front and Drew plays up front and Manna really should be playing centre front and so So like Rhea, so I was trying to work out like maybe Rhea can play at that holding midfielder role with Kit and Evelina in front of her, alternating, going back. I don't know, I'm trying to think of a way that we can fill that central midfield space that changes what we're doing at the moment. I don't think it's about to happen, but I would like to see something different.
2: No, I absolutely think actually that Rhea does play in that holding. She's the kind of player that does officially play in that role, but will join the attack when needed and will run from the attack straight back to the defence. So actually, I think that that kind of role is where she's proved to be the best for us. And so I I think bringing her in, and if she's got 60 minutes in her, I say get her started because it's not working what we've got at the moment. I'm I'm quite up for big changes now that we've got some players back and we've got three games left we have to get points and and even after the game Vicky was sort of saying well we need to get points from every game we got one from this so we achieved it and I'm still thinking I'm not quite happy with that response really I want you to be upset that you didn't get three points from this game but if you're expecting us to get points from every game how the hell are you expecting us to get points at Man United she, and she then said and there's no pressure on us in this game against Man United and I'm like well in the sense that nobody expects us to win there's no pressure on us but in the sense that we need points there's lots of pressure on us it's a really weird thing to be saying, but I, and I think for me, I want to see some changes. Let's try something different and getting Rhea in there, getting Kit in there from the start. Hopefully, Shalina as well. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work. We're not expected to win against Man United. We're not expected to do anything against Man United. So let's just give something new a try.
1: I 100% agree, and you know, I think there have been times both under Rianne and with Vicky that there have been players who continue to start even though they haven't necessarily. Earned it with their performances. And even though I think Angerad had been improving in the last couple of games, I I just think a fully fit Ria Percival is a massive upgrade. And I think as long as you've got Kit up there providing the playmaking, you don't need Rhea necessarily more focused on the attack. And I think she's a player who's really smart about keeping that balance anyway. And knowing Rhea's work rate, she probably is just about ready to start a game. So... It, like nothing would surprise me, you know, to see her starting in the next game.
0: Okay, so we're on the Rhea, Kit, Evelina, central midfield bandwagon, officially Let's now. Let's go. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, was there anything else you want to add about the game? Things that stood out to you? I mean, it's not so much about the game, but it is about that post-match. I had a quick chat with Ash afterwards, and admittedly it was um, a while after. She'd been doing lots of signing and obviously enjoying the birthday wishes from the fans and things. And she was just a little bit too nonchalant me about the situation that we're in and the situation and the reading's fixture list. We did have a conversation and, and then she also pointed out to me that obviously she needs to make sure she doesn't get a yellow card then against Manchester United because if she does she'll be out against Reading. So I said yes please behave yourself. And she joked that she thought that would probably be the longest she'd ever gone um <laughs> having been on a on a suspension to to getting it. So I and then when Vicky's comments came out afterwards as well and I know this is for the cameras kind of thing but equally we've got three games to go and we can't rely on Reading not picking up any points because they're playing us. We've got to make sure that at least in that game we get all three points. Although, I mean, I guess at that point, I guess Reading will then have pretty much unwinnable game left and we've got a game against West Ham where we could, but we don't want to leave it till then. Um, So I'd like to see a little bit more urgency. And I think that was kind of shown on the pitch as well, because we didn't push on and and look like we were going to get that winning goal at that point. So I do think the players are are a little bit too, if Ash is anything to go by in that circumstance. And I know that, you know, as I say, context might be everything here, but I'd like to see a little bit more urgency from the players. a little bit more concerned that actually this is the seriousness of the situation.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a little dangerous to be kind of expecting other teams doing poorly to save us. We need to be proactive and getting some points on the board first.
0: (laughs) It's interesting you saying that thing about Ash, because it's one of the things that I don't think we have talked about it here, but I've definitely talked about it elsewhere around whether or not she has become more cautious since she's been captain or since she got the red card and how that's impacting her game and whether we want a cautious Ash or we want an Ash who is going to go in for those tackles and will sometimes get yellow cards. And you no, know, there's a question. And I'm not certain I want the the cautious Ash who's holding back. But I don't want the team without Ash to play ready. No, absolutely at this point. <laughs> but I guess the question is like, maybe she should have got that other yellow earlier, got the suspension out of the way. Well, I just think this is an
1: opportunity for the rest of the defence to step up so that Ash does not find herself in as many last ditch tackle situations. So help we'll her make, out, guys. <laughs>
0: indeed.
1: Okay. Maybe, a good
2: reason, maybe a good reason to play her further upfield because she won't then be having to make those. Yet another reason for that, I, guess, yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> I hope Vicky is thinking
0: the same as Sean. <laughs> yes, indeed. Do want her up the pitch to avoid cards and also to add something to the attack. Okay, so now that we've finished talking about the game, how happy were we to see Rhea back? We kind of mentioned it a little bit, but what could we
2: see from her first minutes on the pitch Well, I was surprised that she got any minutes, as I said, given this nature of the game, where we were with the game, because normally if a player's coming back from injury, they're not going to be given minutes in the game where it's in a perilous situation. And Vicky's been saying in pre-match that Rhea's back and playing like she's always played. So this was evidence that she actually believes that, not just that she's saying that for the cameras. So, I mean... Yeah, and as I say, I was disappointed for Rhea because I think she would have got a better reaction. And actually, Beth was trying to encourage the fans to um, to really um, appreciate Ria being back. And I think those of us who are uh, who are diehard fans who've been around for a season or two uh, are absolutely thrilled to see her back and can't wait to see what she brings and hope that she does. And, uh, you know, it's difficult within that game to see, but, uh, you know, she threw herself into the game and played like Ria plays. So I'm happy to see her starting in the next one.
1: Yeah, I was also surprised to see her come in so early in the game. Well, relatively early, just because I was kind of of the opinion that we could go the rest of the season without seeing her just because they had left it so late. But I'm thrilled that she's back. Like we talked about earlier, I think having her play in more of a you know defensive midfield role could be a really positive change for the squad. I feel Like all season, we've kind of just lacked control in that area. And Rhea is such a smart player, you know, I feel like she's going to instantly bring that kind of sense of control back if she's playing in that role. So yeah, I'm just, just happy. She looks great. She looks like she hasn't been out for a year, basically. That's Rhea.
0: She really did, didn't she? I thought she just came in and she just had that energy. Really got stuck in straight away. There was none of that. Remember when Jess has come back from injuries and often in the first game where she looks a little bit nervous, which is totally normal and reasonable. And Ria just didn't have that. Like she was going in for tackles. She was, you know, getting in the mix. I love that. So I was really excited. I'm also super excited that she's going to be able to play in the World Cup, given that it's in New Zealand. And I think that she's been so central to her national team that not being able to play in the World Cup would have been terrible. And had her ACL injury lasted as long as Kit's, she wouldn't have been. So she's actually come back in about 11 months, which is much quicker than Kit did. So I'm really happy for her for that as well. But you know,
1: speaking of Kit, I think when she returned from injury, it was kind of the same thing that we felt like she was immediately back to her old form, Um, you know, no noticeable change to the way she was playing. So I feel like. We've often been pretty critical of Spurs medical team, but they're clearly doing something right when it comes to rehab of these ACL injuries, because our players are coming back from this type of injury, looking very confident and clearly fit. So good job there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good. I just realized that I totally forgot to say something earlier when we were talking about substitutions and that is that I was really happy to see Rhea come on, but I would have brought her on for Has, and I would have brought Nikki on for Beth. And I am just, I just want to have the like, where the hell is Nikki shout out at the moment, because this was a game that just felt like, why not? There was an extra substitution that Vicky could make. and. You know, we know that Nikki is hardworking, that she doesn't just put herself in the box, but she does come down. She will do lots of work. And if she had come on as a striker, then that would have been logical. And as we've said, Rhea could still have come on, could have still had those minutes, could have done pressing, whatever else, but taken the role that has had. So yeah, don't know. I don't know if you guys were missing Nikki as much as I was at that point. I mean, if Beth's going to come off, at least. I mean,
1: if we're chasing a game, you put a goal scorer on the pitch you know I understand like Beth it was frustrating to see her go off because she was on a hat trick but if there were extenuating circumstances of her not feeling well I get it but we need to have someone on who has that kind of killer goal scoring instinct and we know that Nikki does like we've seen it in the past and I looked at her recent stats and she only has one minute played in our last I think it was four games which is just ridiculous I don't understand it
2: (laughs) and again it does make you feel like Vicky was settling for a point at that point because why wouldn't you you know if you you need a striker on the pitch if you're going to score a goal right uh in most scenarios and as you say Rhea can come in at other places you've got the availability to do it and it does seem strange that Nikki hasn't got any minutes recently when we've been hunting down games so yeah we we know she struggled with injury and things during the season but at this point if she sat on the bench then surely she's got 15, 20 minutes in her to get some game time. Yeah. And it
0: really was only about 10 minutes. So she wouldn't have even needed the whole 20. Yeah. How about um, Mana? Another player who we saw come back. And I know you both sort of commented a little bit on her, but earlier when she first came from Arsenal, she was really influential. And do we think she is going to get back to that?
1: I think so. Like I said, it it looked to me like she was just a little rusty, but she was still doing all the right things and, you know, making those kind of interceptions, dribbling moves that we've come to expect from her. So I'm not particularly worried about her status, I think. I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced that she is a starter for us right now, just because of some of the other players that we've gotten back into the squad, like Rhea and Kit that we've talked about. But I like having her as an option for a sort of super sub impact player.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen enough output from her as yet I mean lots of play in the in midfield and but I, I don't feel like she's somebody I can say oh yeah when she gets the ball it goes somewhere and something happens with it I'm not sure that I feel that that's the case about her yet and as I say in this game it felt like she was busy on the wing and she was on the far wing so it was difficult to to see clearly but I feel like there are potentially players who might have more meaningful impact and Manner is still I think you know getting pushed around in there a little bit sometimes so She's obviously great and got quick feet. And and again, if she's struggling with injury, it might it might be something to do with it, but I'm not sure how well she's gelling with the team yet to get those meaningful passes and that, that meaningful play.
0: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because it was pretty much her first couple of games were probably her best games. So it may not be exactly about gelling, but something about, I don't know if she was just so excited to get some game time at that point that she was putting everything into every minute. And
1: do we know if she is... Right footed or left footed, because I feel like we've typically seen her play on the right. And in this case, she and Jess were flipped because usually Jess, we would have on the left. So that was kind of a curious one to me, but I could be remembering wrong. And she's been a left winger the whole time.
0: (laughs) Jess Was on the left no
1: you're right I feel like I saw her on the right pretty much yeah. the whole second half oh yeah hmm. just 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 posing a question here that perhaps that, is, that's that was true. unnecessarily fussy of a you know position but swap. they did actually
0: <laughs> swap didn't they because I was thinking it was Jess for um Roz who are I mean they're not the same player but they're both that sort of pacey player who will break with the ball as opposed to Selena Manor you know play on the ball but actually they swap sides as well no idea maybe it's about the players who they link up well with I don't really know I think Jess and Ash play pretty well together and they ended up then on the same side yeah I think it just goes back to
1: my constant complaint this season which is why are we not playing everyone in their best position
0: (laughs) yes that is a good question We've talked about her already a little bit, but Evelina had another very good game, not just the flick on for best goal, but she was regularly winning the ball in the middle of the pitch, finding ways to progress play. And there was this moment where she tracks back early on to win the ball ahead of Robinson, who had otherwise been through one on one with Becky Spencer. So we discussed her a lot last week, but she
2: seems like she's becoming one of our most important players. Do you agree? Definitely, um you know she's really important for us, and I think you you notice that as well by the fact that she seems to be being chopped to the ground every five minutes as well. Other teams are noticing how important she is for us as well, um, and the fact that she can be officially a striker, but running back and helping defensively as well. We, we talked about rehearal as, as somebody who does a lot of running and and I think evelina is is being that as well, and yeah, Tinny was correct. She is an excellent player and we're very pleased to have her uh, and just hoping that she can continue this form into next season when hopefully we'll be still in the Super League and challenging for a higher up.
1: Yeah, I think that last season when she had first joined us and had such a strong run, she was also kind of a foul magnet <laughs> and it felt like we were constantly seeing her just on the floor beat up. But she's a very hardy player, so I think she can handle it. And clearly she's developed this really nice partnership with Beth England It's just really fun to watch them, you know, linking up and the interplay between them. So I'm glad that she's kind of getting her moment to shine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I guess one of the things that was interesting is, as Sean said earlier, she was chopped down quite a few times. And there's been was a bit of speculation online that after her ban for simulation, maybe fouls on her weren't being punished as aggressively. And that both went to the most obvious one that Sean already talked about, which is Lee, who put her forearm to Evelina's neck and maybe to her face just before she then scored and got a yellow for it. But there could have been a red but there were a bunch of other fouls on Evelina where she was kind of on the ground and other players got sort of warnings, but maybe things didn't happen. And I have to say, I noticed one time Fari clipped her leg and Evelina put her hands to her face. And I was just like, actually, you know, maybe she just puts her hands to her face. Maybe that's how she responds to being hurt. Um, which again, just goes back to... That incident, which we have already uh, spoken about, Uh, anyone who wants to hear about it, you can go back and listen to our discussion of the game against Manchester United, where we were very critical of the ban that Evelina received. But do you think this is an issue, especially with the game against Manchester United next? Are we worried about the reception that Evelina is going to get? Is she being treated in this kind of very specific way? I know that Abby has said that and that we quote her that she hated Man U fans and she was scared they'd kneecap Evelina. What about you? What are your fears and worries? That the fans are going to kneecap her or the United players? You know what? I don't think, I don't think Abby was specific. And um, let's take it either way. Are you worried yeah. about either the fans or the players?
1: Oh, I mean, fans, fans definitely are not going to give her a warm reception. I think that goes without saying. And I am sure that the opposition players are going to be likewise, very firm with her. Yeah. Just to go back to your original question, though, of do we think that refs are, not calling things against her. I, I think there is a little bit of an element of that. You know, we like to think that referees are unbiased, but I'm sure they did not appreciate the scrutiny that that incident in the Manchester United game brought upon them. So there's there's got to be a little bit of an element to that there. And you see it across the men's game and the women's game, players who have a reputation, whether it's for being fouled or committing fouls themselves. You know, I think we've seen it with Hawa Sissoko at West Ham. Like they, they get a reputation. Sometimes it's not fair or earned, but it has an effect on the way things are called against them.
2: And I, do, I just think, generally speaking, how important she is to us is going to draw attention to her as well. When, when mm-hmm. players see a player who's that important to a team they're going to go in for the the tackles and make sure that they're, they're stopping her so I think it's kind of six of one half dozen of the other you're going to get some calls from the ref based on their anticipation of, of Evelina and also the fact that she is subject to more fouls because the other teams are trying that much harder to stop her. Okay, well let's just hope that she doesn't even
0: get fouled so it doesn't come up whether or not they're <laughs> gonna call it and that yeah. she has a stormer. But before we get to sort of thinking about the next game in much detail, let's ha- it's time unfortunately for relegation watch. Uh, when we started this podcast last summer, we definitely weren't expecting to introduce this section, but it's become a regular feature. And I'm thinking that we probably won't be able to stop talking about it until the last game of the season, unless something really great happens before then. So let's look at the other teams. We saw Leicester absolutely destroyed Liverpool 4-0, moved up two places. So they're now on 13 points. Brighton's draw against us puts them on 13 points as well. Breding, took the lead against Manchester City and actually didn't look bad with Sani Trollsgaard especially looking like she's going to cause some problems for our defence when we play them but Manchester City are amazingly good at the moment and they had 37 shots out of which they scored four to end the game with easy winners which meant that Reading remain on 11 points and their goal difference is now worse than it was at the start of the day. Spurs are on 14 points so just three points ahead of Reading and one point ahead of Leicester from Brighton. Goal differences where Spurs have a slight advantage with a seven goal better difference than any of the other three relegation fighting clubs. So if we end up on the same points, it's likely that that is going to be to our advantage, but we don't want it to be down to goal difference. If we're looking forward, Spurs alongside Reading have just three games left. Brighton and Leicester have an extra game with four games still to play. I checked 5.38 and they now put our odds of relegation at 6% with Reading on 57%. But I have to say that I am significantly less confident than that. What about you both?
2: How nervous are you feeling? I mean, they talk about teams having a game in hand, but those games were on Wednesday the 10th of May and Leicester play Chelsea and Brighton play Arsenal. So with no disrespect, I don't see either of those getting the points in the additional game. Don't see it happening. Chelsea and Arsenal not messing up at this point, I don't think. Great. I'm I'm pleased for Leicester and I told Josie at the game because she was there and I said hello. I congratulated her on the win and said, we're all rooting for you not to go down so long as it's not us that go down instead of you. And she appreciated that. So I, can't, I, I, I the trouble is at the moment, I vie between being really worried and not worried at all, because that's just how it, it sits, I think. I still think Reading's fixture list is a blessing to us. The easiest team they've got left is Aston Villa, apart from us. So they're not likely to get points in that. But the way we played against Brighton does make me worried that we're all relying on the fact that we're going to get something out of the Reading game and go into that thinking that they are going to be a, a, a easy side and I did nearly have a heart attack this afternoon when I switched on the scores for the game off about 10 minutes and saw they'd taken the lead against Manchester City I've calmed down a little bit obviously Manchester City came back into it and did what we all expected them to do but I'm going to try not to think about it really I think is my answer and just let it be and hope that the nonchalance that we felt a little bit from the club after Brighton isn't really how they're responding and they will go into uh, the Reading game and take it seriously and hey you never know how much would we all love to get something out of the Man United? I mean, that would be my absolute dream is to get something out of the Man United game. It's not going to happen because we're at their place. They are in a a scrap for the the league and they are unfortunately very good. But if we could annoy anybody and save ourselves, that would just be a fantastic, a fantastic result. But
1: no, that's a really good point about United still being in the title chase. I think if that weren't the case, you know, perhaps we'd feel a little more confident about grabbing at least a point out of that game, but it's going to be hard. Rachel, I'm upset with you for prompting me to look up our goal difference because I hadn't looked at it in a while and it is very bleak. But I personally, I would hate to see Lester go down, not just because of the Josie Green factor, but because it would kind of be sad to see a team like Lester who have invested in their team be relegated in place of a team like Reading, who are dropping the ball so badly right now that they didn't even get awarded a license for the new academies that are being rolled out. So I think that says a lot. And honestly, Reading has the toughest run-in by far. So if they were to lose the games uh, leading up to our our matchup with them, if we could get a result out of that, I think at that point, we probably could feel safe. But until then, I'm just going to be
0: a bundle of nerves. (laughs) I think bundle of nerves sounds appropriate. That's pretty much where we are right now. So as Sean has already intimated, we got Manchester United away as our next game and they are on quite a run. After winning the game against Villa with literally the last kick of the game on Friday, they are top of the league. They've only lost two and drawn two games all season. We did pretty well, I think, against them in the reverse fixture at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, despite losing 2-1. It was a proper fight and that was Beth England's first, you know, really impressive goal for us. However, last year, away to United, we lost 3-0 and we looked completely at sixes and seven. So that is also a possibility. And as you guys have said, this is a must win for them if they are going to stay ahead of Chelsea in the race for the other end of the table. So how do you feel about this game? And I'm going to ask you for some score predictions as well. How I feel is nauseous.
1: I'll I'll just go straight into my score prediction because I I really don't have much else to say about this one. I just feel so nervous about it. I think we're going to probably have another 3-0 loss in case I wasn't clear. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah this game is either going to be we really go at it and we keep them tight or we're going to lose 4-0. So I'd love I'd love to the kind of the optimist in me says keeping them to 2-1 would be great and that would be a really good result and excellent but the realist in me is just worried that it's going to be four now to them.
0: Okay, I'm just going to chuck in Abby's comments before I give my prediction. She didn't give a prediction, but she did say that she thinks that we always do better when there's no pressure and that she feels we're going to get something from this game because we're so expected to lose. So there's Abby putting her money on, I guess, a draw at the least. I think that we're going to score goals, but I also think they're going to score more goals. So I'm thinking like 5 2 to them. I hope that I am underestimating our defence and that I am, yeah, and that we don't do that. And it's to all maybe instead, you know, I could, I just think we're going to score. I think we are on a really good scoring streak, but I really think they're going to score.
2: As I say, I I would so dearly love to get a result against this team, chatting with Jenna and, you know, the whole history of... Spurs, Man United, this is the team I really want to get something against. And this would be the perfect moment to do it. So I, I'm putting all the good thoughts out into the universe, but I'm not expecting anything. See, that's I exactly gonna...
1: why I can't feel hopeful about it, because I want a result so badly. <laughs> it
0: is. Yeah, it I'm is. kind of dreading. I'm going to be sitting with all of my Manchester United supporting part, um, partners, relatives who are all Manchester United supporting. So it's going to be an interesting one for me. But I yeah I don't know it's gonna be good let's we're gonna score goals we got wouldn't it be lovely if Evelina scored the winning goal wouldn't that just be the most beautiful thing well if it ends up being your score
1: prediction Rachel I can just hear you know all the pundits now calling it a seven goal thriller en route to Manchester United winning the league so (laughs) I hope you're wrong
0: Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we win 5-2 and Evelina gets a hat-trick with Beth getting the other two or somebody else. I don't really care. Just Evelina's hat-trick would be nice. I want Kit to get a goal because she needs a goal. Okay, Evelina a hat-trick, Kit for one, Beth for one. Perfect. Or maybe Ash to score one because she made a very bad mistake last time she was at the Lee Valley. So let's not remember that and her make a new memory.
2: Let's just score goals. That's I don't really care i'd love for various people to score goals but ultimately if we score goals it can be you know becky spencer scoring them i don't care
1: god that would be glorious
0: (laughs) yes doing a sort of crazy run all the way goal to goals perfect okay we're clearly descending into mild hysteria but i think that's what being a spurs fan these days is like so um let's finish there We will be back to revisit the game against Manchester United and see whether we did actually score some goals and get anything from it. And to look ahead to the final two games of the season, you can, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at N17Women and come on, you Spurs.